Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club. That's getinthefight.club and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight. So let's go. We must reverse Adam's choice. We must choose God over Eve. We must take our ache to him. For only in God will we find the healing for our wound. So we've been working our way through the book called Wild at Heart, one of the most influential and important books in my life that I've read up to this point. And so just sharing some of these ideas with you over the last few podcast episodes, what we've seen is that a a man gets wounded over his lifetime. And certainly this is true for women, but speaking specifically to a a man's audience, a Christian man's audience in particular, we're saying that a man gets wounded and with those wounds come messages behind it. And many times those, those messages have to deal with identity characteristics. We start to internalize the wound and feel like not only are we wounded, but that we're critically wounded in a way that Maybe we're not able to answer man's biggest question of life, which is, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? Am I a real man? And so when we are looking at these, we often say, well, where do we turn to? And in podcast episode number 11, John makes the point in Wild at Heart that many of us as men turn to women to validate this issue of, am I a real man? And so we, we turn to women. And John says in this first quote here that, like Adam, we turned away from God and we turned to women to validate us. We turn not just to her, but we take this wounded part of our life and we turn to any other thing other than God to try to give us proof that we're man enough. And it just makes it even worse. It makes the damage even more profound because now we start to bring into this wound this message that maybe we're not enough. Because everything that I've tried to fix the wound, everything that I've done to try to bring healing or relief is failing. And so we start to say, well, maybe just overall, I'm just broken. And, and men don't handle that well. In fact, if you start to really delve into this question that we're looking at here today and you say, well, what does the devil intend with the wound? What is the end game here? And, you know, and sometimes life is just, this is just a broken world that we're in. So I think sometimes we have to be careful not to just say that every bad thing is the devil working against you. I don't think that's always true. But the devil is certainly involved in the brokenness of the world. And because of that, even if it's not a direct assault against you or against me, it is a direct result of the devil's lies from the very beginning of time and his continual lies against us. And so what is the end game here? What is it that's really behind these wounds? What is the devil trying to do or hope happens to you? The answer, in part at least, 
is answered by a guy named Brendan Manning in his book called Ragamuffin Gospel. He says this, the deepest desire of our hearts, in essence, is that we would be in union with God, complete, perfect union with God. That was the original purpose of our lives. That was what we were created to live like. And so if that's true, and we're going to say, yes, that's true, that that is the purpose of life, that God has made us for life like that. In fact, when we look at Jesus, and we're going to look at some of the things he says here in just a minute, but Jesus demonstrates this perfect life lived in complete union with God the Father. And that is the template for us. That is the example for us. So I think Brennan is right because he's reading the scriptures accurately to say that we were made for union with God, dependence upon God. Go back to the Garden of Eden and you'll see this. God is walking among them. He is there with them and they are just you know, conversing and doing life together. And when the fall comes in, when the devil gets introduced into the story, we see that that dependence upon God gets broken. Now, all of a sudden, Adam turns to other things. He turns to Eve. He turns to work. He turns to these other things. And we're still following that pattern. So we were created for union and dependence upon God. And when we get wounded, this is really kind of what we're addressing today. When a man gets wounded at the heart level, the identity level, the intended purpose behind that is to distract us from our purpose that God has made for us. And that is to walk with him, to be intimately connected and deeply, personally, to know God and then to make him known. John says this when we go to the book, guys are unanimously embarrassed by their emptiness and woundedness. It is for most of us a tremendous source of shame, but it doesn't need to be. From the very beginning, back before the fall and the assault, ours was meant to be a desperately dependent existence. It's like a tree in its branches, explains Christ. You are the branches, I'm the trunk. From me, you draw your life. That's how it was meant to be. In fact, he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's not berating us or mocking us or even saying it with a sigh, all the while thinking, geez, I wish these people would pull it together and stop needing me so much. Not at all. We are made to depend on God. We are made for union with him and nothing about us works right without it. I think he's just totally right here. This is it. So this wound that we get delivered, and by the way, it's not like a wound. It is many wounds. It's wounded over and over and over. It's just that it happens early on. Those wounds stay with us because we're developing as young people, and those wounds like really pierce us deeply at that point, and then they just never go away. And then the devil figures out how we are bent and how we are wired or where we are vulnerable. And he just kind of keeps attacking that. And he's slow and patient and, and, and just vicious in his continual attack against our hearts in that way. And so it isn't a wound, it's many wounds over time. And we start to internalize this conversation and we really kind of think that God gets annoyed with us. We really kind of start to think, like he mentions in this quote that I just read, that we think Jesus is probably up there just like shaking his head in disgust or just going like, golly, why won't these, why won't these guys figure this out? I wish they would pull it together and start acting like men. Stop needing me so much. So we internalize this conversation 
and the devil whispers to us all these things and he just says you know you're so wounded you're so broken like why don't you suck it up and start acting like a man sometimes you know this is where he's funny like he'll either take you to the side of you suck you don't have what it takes or he'll try to fill us with pride which was his downfall and he says things like you know you don't need anybody you've got this never ask for help never show weakness go this alone you can do this in fact that's the message we hear in culture all the time you've got this you're fine do what you need to do you need nobody else and that is the whisper in this woundedness so the devil is lying to us we know it but that voice is hard to separate and it's hard for us to understand the truth from the lies going back to the book john says this in in his book wild at heart this is where our sin and our culture have come together to keep us in bondage and brokenness it prevents us from the healing of our wounds that we need so badly our sin is that stubborn part inside of us that wants above all else to be independent there's a part of us fiercely committed to living in a way where we do not have to depend on anyone especially god then culture comes along with figures like john wayne and james bond and all those quote unquote real men and the one thing they have in common is that they're loners they don't need anyone we come to believe deep in our hearts that needing anyone for anything is a sort of weakness a handicap this is why a man never ever stops to ask for directions i'm notorious for this john says i know how to get there i'll find my own way thank you very much only when i am fully and finally and completely lost will i pull over and get some help and i'll feel like a total wimp for doing it hey guys i hope you're enjoying the conversation so far and if you are please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe click the like button and then leave us a five-star review it only takes a few seconds to do this but it makes a huge difference for us and it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this thanks so much for listening and helping us out now back to the show the devil whispers to you that if you show weakness if you pull over and ask for help that you are a total wimp and you get shame and guilt and anxiety and you know you just it ruins a man if he feels like he is dependent on anybody because all of the messages from life and the devil and hollywood and all of the things we are just taught don't show weakness don't ask for help go this alone you don't need anybody else but what's interesting is when you listen to and watch closely what jesus did how he lived his life you again will see the the contrast between truth and lies listen to these verses here in john 5 19 jesus says the son can do nothing on his own in john 6 57 he says i live because of the living father in me saying my life is completely dependent on the father i don't do this the father's doing this through me right later in john 14 10 he says the father who lives in me does his work through me so why is this so important to us well we have bought the lies over time that say that we can do this and and what happens i think for men because we're fixers we tend to hear a problem and want to offer a solution and we want to fix everything what what we've bought into is this idea that 
God is needed for forgiveness. So as men, we surrender that piece of the puzzle to him and we say, okay, God, I'm going to turn to you for forgiveness. But once I'm forgiven, what we really kind of think in our minds, maybe not consciously, but we think subconsciously that the point now that I'm forgiven and saved is that I go fix myself from here on out. Think closely about your life. Think closely about your faith here. In so many ways, this is the, the Christian man's story. In so many ways, we have bought into this idea that we were broken. Okay, I'll admit that piece. I can't save myself. Jesus saved me from my sins. I'll save me from everything else. Now, again, none of us would say that out loud, but it really is this deep down thing. We hate being dependent on him. We hate thinking that we don't have enough to just suck it up and get over these sins. I'll get through this. I don't need to reach out to other brothers for help. I can get through this. I don't want somebody to see that I'm weak. I don't want somebody to know that I'm struggling. I don't want to tell somebody how I feel. Like men don't want to deal with feelings. And so in all of this, the devil whispers, that's right, you don't, you're, you're already saved. You don't need anybody else. Just stay where you are. Keep those feelings to yourself. That is just weakness. Don't show that weakness. And so there's this battle, this, this whispering of the devil on one side, and he is a liar. But it comes to us in a voice that sounds so true. And we start to think this way. And, we, and there's a part of us that's made this way. God has made us in a lot of ways to be the man that is able to, in strength, bear other problems and burdens and fix things and right he makes he makes us that way and there's a piece of that that's true but what god is trying to do is transform us from the heart and we can't do that if we don't let him you see we were made for union with god which means complete dependence jesus had said it he said i can't do anything apart from the father and so why then do we think that we can. Why do we feel like all of a sudden we can do this? What does Jesus say in John 15, 5? Apart from me, you can do some things, but when it gets really hard, turn to me. Otherwise, get out there and do it on your own. Is that what he says in that passage? It's not at all. You should actually memorize this one and take this one in. Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do some things. In fact, you can't do anything. You can't do anything apart from Christ in you. And yet, the lie is you don't need anyone. In fact, yeah, you're saved. Now it's your turn to go fix stuff. And it's just not true. So what happens is we've, we get wounded and our identity gets hurt. We feel like we're not a real man. We feel like we, we're, we're not strong enough. And so we take that and what the devil does is he just piles on shame. He piles on guilt. And, and we struggle with that as a man because we just think, I don't want to feel that way ever. And yet God, through Jesus, tells us, in essence, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. In fact, you were made this way to need God completely and fully. When Jesus' disciples asked, like, how should we pray? He says, give us today our daily bread. Give us the daily bread that we need. You know, God didn't just walk people through 40 years of the desert 
experience back in the Old Testament days and give them 40 years worth of provision all at once. No, he gave it to them every day. He has designed us this way so that every day we would turn to him, every day we would look to him, and every day he says, it's okay, I'm big enough to handle this everyday portion. Just follow me today. Follow me today. Going back to the book, John says this, we know we are meant to embody strength. We know we're not what we were meant to be, and so we feel brokenness and a source of shame. As we spoke of his wounds recently and how he needed to enter into it for healing, Dave protested this, I don't ever want to go there. It all feels so true. Men are typically quite harsh with the broken places within them. Many report feeling as though there's a boy inside and they despise that about themselves. Quit being such a baby, they order themselves. But that is not how God feels. He is furious about what's happened to you. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck than to face the punishment in store for harming one of these little ones, he said in Luke 17 too. Think of how you would feel if the wounds you were given, the blows that were dealt to you, were dealt to a boy that you loved, your son perhaps. Would you shame him for it? Would you feel scorn that he couldn't rise above it all? No, you would feel compassion. I think this is so true. If you are a man, you hate feeling like you're the little boy. In this story, we want to be the father who says to the little boy, it's okay. You're going to be fine. I've got you. But we're not the father. We're not the father in the story. We are the little boy. No matter how old you are, you are that little boy in the story. And God is the father the capable father, the sovereign father, the perfectly good father who is saying to you and me, it's okay. It's okay. In fact, that wound that you carry with you, that guilt, that shame, you don't have to carry that. I know how you're made. I'm the one that made you. I love you just like you are. You're, it's fine. It's totally fine. In fact, as a dad, I don't have boys, but I have girls. I have kids. I was a boy once. I have a dad, right? I know what it's like in this story. And as a parent, if your kid gets hurt, especially at the heart level, you don't feel furious with the kid. You feel compassion. You feel terrible about it. In fact, you as a, as a father are saying to your kids, man, I'm so sorry. I know how bad this hurts. You don't have to carry this alone. Come with me. Let me hold you. Let me take you. Let me, let me carry you. If this is your little boy, you're saying, you're okay. You're okay. You don't need to be strong enough for this. Let me help you. You are safe with me. All of these messages, this, this makes so much sense from the parent standpoint to the kid. But what's interesting is that as an adult, we feel this responsibility to not be that little kid anymore. And there's some truth to this. Like there's some truth that you should grow up, that you should, you know, get mentally stronger. It's something that we pray for every day, that God would make us men of strength mentally, emotionally, spiritually strong, physically strong, all of those things. That's true. You should mature and get better and stronger. But the lie comes in when you start thinking that you're ever going to be at a spot where you don't depend on God fully. That's the lie. 
So I get stronger the more that I surrender to him. I get stronger mentally and emotionally when I say, God, let your thoughts be my thoughts. When I'm transformed by him, when I'm spending time with him, when you're spending time with him, when you get to just rest in him, all of a sudden, yeah, you get stronger in those. Not because though you've become something strong, but because he's strong enough when you let him carry you through that. We get to be the little boy who is safe with our dad, and we're always going to be safe. He's always going to be able to say to us, it's okay. It's, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect for me. I love you right where you are. I have everything you need to carry you through this. So just come with me. Let's just do this together. That's the message that God brings. The message that the devil brings, though, is shame. The devil says to us, how could you not be stronger? How dare you be broken like this? He fools us. He traps us into these feelings. And it brings a message with it that we start to believe. Going back to the book here, John says this, That is the way we are with our wound, especially men. We bury it deep and never take it out again. But take it out we must, or better yet, we should enter into it. I entered my wound through the surprising door of my anger. After we moved to Colorado about 11 years ago, I found myself snapping at my boys for silly things. A spilled glass of milk would elicit a burst of rage. Whoa, John, I thought. There are things going on inside you'd better have a look at. You better look under the hood at what's going on here. As I explored my anger with the help of my dear friend Brent, I realized I was so furious about feeling all alone in a world that constantly demanded more of me than I felt able to give. Something in me felt young, like a 10-year-old boy in a man's world, but I didn't have the ability as a man to come through. There was so much fear beneath the surface, fear that I would fail, fear that I would be found out, and finally fear that I was ultimately on my own. Where did all this fear come from, I wondered. Why do I feel so alone in the world and so young inside? Why does something in my heart feel orphaned? I think this is like so critical to this conversation about this wound and where we turn to with it. We know that the Father is whispering that it's okay. But deep down inside, the way it feels to us as men is fearful. We are afraid. We, we don't typically, I think, think of it in terms of fear. But John was saying like when he was expressing anger, he didn't realize that the anger was an expression of fear. I think that's similar for many of us. I don't think we realize how so many of our reactions and responses and things that we do, the way that we express ourselves, is based out of this deep emotion of fear. You know, if you've been wounded as a kid, maybe your parents, your dad in particular, but your mom as well, you know, had done things to you or spoken things into your life that really wounded you, today you might struggle with trust issues and not have any idea that it's, you're so afraid of dealing with that trust issue that was handed to you from your parents that now you're just passing that fear on in this other way. You've just never connected those two things. Maybe you've been embarrassed at some point as a young man, and now because of that embarrassment, you're so afraid of dealing with that again that you just choose to not take on anything new. So instead of defaulting to yes or 
trying new things or being brave and courageous and, and, you know, taking on something hard, you just say no to everything because of fear. Fear controls you in a way that you don't say yes to anything in case it causes you to feel embarrassed again. Or, you know, maybe you're struggling as a parent. Maybe you're looking at this whole thing of raising kids and it feels so daunting and scary to you that you get afraid that you don't have what it takes. Going back to that core question, you're looking at this situation as a parent and saying, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I have this in me. And so rather than working through that fear, instead of like surrendering that to God and letting him father you through your fatherhood, you just disengage because it's just easier for you. And it's all based out of fear. So we, we deal with this. We struggle with this. We just don't even always recognize exactly what's happening. But fear is controlling us in some crazy ways. So think about that in your own story. Where, where do you find yourself reacting or expressing yourself in ways that might be fear-based? If that is you, and I'm sure it is if you take time to really wrestle through this, we all deal with this in different ways. There is some great news. This is just a conversation about there's a truth about what God says, and then there's the truth about what the devil's telling you. What he tells you isn't true, but the truth is he is speaking, and the truth is God is speaking, and our job is to figure out which is true, which of these voices is true. And I want to encourage you with this passage today. I want to read this to you here. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3 says this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. This is the central passage that points to Jesus. That in fact, I love this story. Jesus, when he has been tempted in the wilderness, he is starting to reveal himself as the God-man, the man sent from God, the Savior, the Messiah to come. He was revealing himself. He is kicking off his ministry now. And he goes into a temple and it's his turn to read. And so he gets called on to read a passage and he grabs the scroll from Isaiah 61 that we just read. He reads these verses, sits down, takes this long pause to let everybody soak into what he's doing and figuring out why is he not reading more. And then he looks around the room and he says, this passage has been fulfilled today. It's like this mic drop moment of saying, everything that you've been looking for in your Messiah is here. I'm here. And what he brings to the world in this passage that's so central to who he is, is he's bringing good news to the poor. This isn't just poor as in, I don't have money. This is like the poor in spirit. This is the broken little boy in you. God brings good news to me that the little scared boy 
the broken kid, the wounded guy, that guy has great news today that the Messiah is here, that God is among us. He is for us. He says that he's bringing comfort to the brokenhearted. He is bringing release for the captives. He is freeing us from shame, freeing us from anxiety, and he's freeing us from fear. All of this conversation, all of these things that the devil is bringing at you, that life is wounding you with, Jesus says in this passage in Isaiah 61 about himself that I'm here to rescue. I'm here to save. I love this. God has good news for us as Christian men. And it is our responsibility to take him at his word. Going back to the book here, John says this. This is the point. Healing never happens outside of intimacy with Christ. The healing of our wound flows out of our union with him. But there are many common themes that I want to share with you as you seek the restoration of your heart. The first step seems so simple, it's almost hard to believe. So we look over it. We never ask for it. And when we do, we sometimes struggle for days just to get the right words out. But it begins with surrender. As C.S. Lewis says, until you have given yourself to him, you will not have a real self. We return the branch to its trunk. We yield our lives to the one who is our life. And then we invite Jesus into the wound. We ask him to come and to meet us there, to enter into the broken and unhealed places of our heart. Do you want to become a man that is whole? Do you want to become the man that God has meant for you to be? Do you want to be a man who is healed and is changed and is changing and becoming all of those things that God has meant for you? A healthy, strong, honorable man, a disciplined man, a joyous person. All of those things that deep inside you're going, man, I wish I was a man that could what? Fill in the blank for you. All of those things are possible with union with God. All of that is possible. In fact, the point of this conversation today is to say it's the only way. It's the only way forward for us. God did not save you and then say, go fix yourself. That is one of the, the lies that we buy into because we think, gosh, if I could just stop swearing, if I could just start to show up to church more often, if I could just do more of the right things, then God will love me. Then I can know that I'm the right kind of man and on and on and on. The lie goes on from there. God did not tell you to go fix yourself. He said to fix your eyes on me. And when we do that, when we just hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we get to a spot where we say, I'm the little boy who needs you so badly. Thank you for being enough for me. Thank you for being there for what I need each day. The more we surrender to that idea and say, I am dependent on you, God, for everything. And thank you that you're enough. The more union we have like that, the stronger we become because it's his strength now expressed through our lives. If you want freedom from fear, if you want freedom from shame of all of the things in your past, there's only one way forward. There's only one way to healing, and that is complete surrender. Jesus would say to you, don't run away from the wound, run into it. 
say it exactly like it is. Express it. Talk to me about it. Bring it to me. And then he's going to tell you something else. And it's your responsibility to trust the voice of the Savior. But like a great father, Jesus is going to say, thank you for being honest. It's okay. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're safe. I've got you. I love you. It's okay. It's okay. So here's how we fight. We surrender. This is the crazy part about being a Christian man. Our fighting is surrendering to him. You are not strong enough on your own. I am not strong enough on my own to take on the battles that are out there for us. Our battles are won when we get on our knees, when we surrender each and every day. And again, some of us have surrendered and and come to Christ for salvation, but then we stood back up and have tried to fight this life outside of him. That's the surrender. We give that back. We got to give it back today. As you're listening to this today, you just say, God, I got to give that back. I'm sorry that I've been trying to fight this in something that I don't, I don't have the power to win. If you want to become the man that God made you to be, if you want to overcome fear and shame and guilt and doubt and anxiety, and you want to just have peace and rest and just say, I don't, I don't have it in me. It's okay. I think God's just like, it's okay. I never asked you to be the Savior. I asked you to come to me. Let me save you. Let me be God. You just walk with me. I've got this. It's okay. That's how you fight, and that's how you win. Hey, guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.